Well, hello there, and welcome back to Seed Stories. We are your hosts, Zeke Greenside and Tom Klinkhammer. On this program, we'll showcase a different seed variety through stories, seed saving techniques, history, and providing unique interviews with passionate seed savers from across the world. And this week's seed is... Painted Mountain Corn Painted Mountain Corn has multicolored ears and was bred on the mountains of Montana. I was lucky enough to get interviews with two corn breeders, Frank Kutka and the breeder of this corn, Dave Christensen. They'll both explain the fantastic story of this corn and why it is so important. Hey Dave, how's it going? Very good. Wondering uh, about the the story and how you began. Well, hello everybody. The sun is shining here in Montana. Um, I started growing painted mountain forty years ago. This will be my forty first year, and uh, I was uh, living off the land, uh, feeding my children off of nature, hunting, and wearing buckskin clothes and all that, and. I always had an interest in genetics, which I studied in college, and it was a high tenor for a living. But I fell in love with breeding corn right away and other crops too. My goal was to find something that would mature in my climate in Montana. We picked a place that has got a tough climate. We lived a 5,000 feet elevation in the mountains with a very short seasons back then. With global warming, it's a different world. For the last 14 years, we've had much, much warmer climate than in the early days, very short growing season, mm-hmm. and the corn had to be very hardy in cold soil, it had to dry down really fast, and we're a high elevation desert with no nitrogen in the soil, um, almost no organic matter, um, very dry, arid, powerful burning rays of sun. So we have our own own climate here. And uh, none of the commercial corns at that time would grow anywhere near where I lived. They were much slower, so in order to feed my family with corn, I had to find something that would grow. And back then there were still some Indians and um, the descendants of homesteaders who had the corn that their forefathers grew. And the farmers here used to grow between 5 and 50 or 60 acres of Indian corn and just let the cattle go in and graze it. Wow. They'd pick some for themselves, of course. But they didn't ship animals back east to get them fat. They just did it right here with no harvesting. Anyway, I collected those corns from native people. And um, at that time, I was in touch with a lot of friends who were interested in rescuing all kinds of historic things. And so people sent me seeds from Canada all the way down to New Mexico and other states around here. And I tried them all, and most everything didn't work, but I kept the ones that did and created a gene pool that probably has at least 100 ancestors in it. Um, my goal was to create a genetically diverse gene pool of open-pollinated corn that was not inbred. Almost all of the heirloom lines that have been saved come from one or two cobs that have been inbred for decades. 
and I didn't want to hand that out to people. So what Painted Mountain is, has got a lot of genetic diversity in it. It has been selected for my climate. But um, I, I'm hearing from people all over the United States that it grows in almost any, any climate, which really surprises me. But it does have so much genetic diversity in it that if you continue selecting it for where you live, those genes will start to come back. Mm-hmm. And people can create gene pools for their own little part of the world. So what parts of the world have you heard from that uh, this works well in? Well, I got a letter a few years ago from some people in Argentina. Um, they live pretty high up in the mountains. And their diet, their main staple is corn because that's what everybody there grows, but they can't grow corn at their elevation. And uh, they got hold of Painted Mountain and the cheers on time for them. And they're really, really thrilled that they can grow their own grain instead of having to go down the mountains to get it. The big success story was uh, North Korea. I'm one of the very few Americans who's ever been into North Korea uh, with the purpose of showing them that we want to be their friends. I think we want to destroy them. But I um, really, really fell in love with the people and showed them that we're good people. Anyway, up in their northern counties, they have a very difficult time growing anything because it's cold up by the China border. And my corn has successfully increased their grain production 260%. Wow. They've given me a couple reports on that. So um, it's a very cold, hardy, fast maturing corn. I, I took uh, 3,000 pounds of corn up there and talked to their geneticist and told them how to select it and grow it. Wow. Yeah, it was a wonderful, wonderful experience. Once you see starvation, it changes you. Mm-hmm. And I realized that every minute, every waking minute of my life, I could be saving lives. And so I'm actually working about 11 months a year developing lines of corn that will not be ready for several years. I'm not making any money on them, and I'm only spending about one month out of the year um, growing Painted Mountain for the commercial market, and I live on what little I get off of that mm-hmm. month's work. Well, it's great work. Yeah, it feels good to be doing it. I think with uh, changing climate in the world and more food shortages, and a lot of reasons, I think a lot of people are going to be needing to grow their own food in the future. Something that is not so sensitive to weather and does not need a lot of input of water and chemicals. Right. I also have a cross crossing a line of painted mountain Vedito I've been working on for seven years, but it's not uniform enough to release yet. If you run into anybody who's interested in doing very serious breeding and crossbreeding and trying to create new lines, um, I would especially like to talk with them. Yeah. Don't have that serious kind of person be afraid to approach me. So if you want to get in touch with Dave, feel free to shoot me an email, Zachary at NorthCircleSeeds.com. This interview with Dave Christensen was from quite a few years ago, and the Painted Mountain Corn has only gotten more popular since then. I visited Dave a few years after the interview, 2014, and was amazed at what I saw. First of all, Dave is one of the most kind and generous people I've ever met. He's also very well known in his small town, Big Timber, Montana. I stayed with him a few days, and one of the nights we drove through the night 
to uh, Bob Quinn's farm where Dave had his painted mountain corn plot. Bob Quinn is also a pretty interesting farmer himself, growing ancient organic grains, particular grain called kamut. Now we're in high elevation. It was dry and sandy. The painted mountain corn cobs were really long, some longer than a foot, and the kernels were extremely colorful. Dave confided in me that he also selects for beautiful color as well as eight rows, so the cobs dry down fast. It was a pleasure and honor meeting Dave Christensen, and I only wish him the best. I've grown the painted mountain corn here in Minnesota. I actually prefer growing more flintier types in flower, um, especially in climate change when uh, our falls are becoming more wet. I find that the flint holds up and dries down quicker and better than some of these flower types that are better usually in drier environments or on top of mountains or desert or in the west. A multicolored native flint corn that grows well in our area that I've grown is Baron Flint. And we'll talk about that variety in an upcoming episode. And now let's move to corn breeder Frank Kutka, who also has some thoughts to share on this beautiful corn. So was this a practice for a very long time to create this type of corn that has so, such a rich diversity like throughout history? Has this been uh, documented at all? Because it seems like a really good idea to have a very multicolored, very diverse corn that's bred specifically to a specific region. Um, actually, as far as I know, it's somewhat new. Now, there have been, corn is pollinated uh, by pollen bl that blows on the wind, so it's always trying to mix itself around. Mm. Um, and there have, you know, therefore have been mixed populations all over, but for the most part, uh, most people have tried to maintain pure colors, you know, mostly because, you know, those particular people liked that the way it looked or thought it particular color related to a spiritual feeling about the corn or a flavor of the corn. So, you know, of, of native peoples in the Americas who, you know, first bred corn, um, certainly have a lot of varieties that were pure colored. And uh, a lot of the Europeans and Asians, Africans who've grown corn have also looked for pure colors. But there've been mixtures and sometimes on intention, but I have to say, I've never seen one quite as intentionally broad color-wise mm -hmm. as Dave's. He started off with great stuff because the desert southwest has a lot of fantastic colored corn, and then the mandan corns that spread across the plains included yellow and white and uh, blue and black and red and then stripes and dotted mm -hmm. as well. And every once in a while, a combination comes together and you'll get a, a black-colored you know, dark, dark purple colored ear. It's all black. Yeah, Almost those, those are astounding. Cool. Yeah, I think some of those genetics come up out of the desert southwest, either recently with Dave or a long time ago, you know, when all the other people that brought corn north uh, came up with it from down there. So mm -hmm. those genes float around. And you won't see black. It takes, I think, three genes together in order to get it. And if they're not all lined up, it won't be black. So mm -hmm. it kind of hides. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, where you freely let it intermate and make lots of mixtures of colors, you can sometimes get those to pop out too. So it is, it is pretty astounding. Uh, everyone who's ever seen it wants to grow it or something like it. They just really like the colors. Well, Frank, thanks for talking with us. And, oh, you're uh, welcome. Anytime. You can buy seed of Painted Mountain from the following sources. Baker Creek Heirloom Seeds, Fedco Seeds, High Mowing Seeds, 
Johnny's Selected Seeds, Territorial Seeds, and many more places. Well, now we're going to change gears a little bit and learn about corn pollination. Corn, or ZMAs, is a cross-pollinating plant. It relies on hundreds of other plants to pollinate itself to get a full set of genetics. This is different from self-pollinating plants, which only needs a small amount of plants to keep its genetic integrity when seed saving from year to year and generation to generation. But let's talk about the specifics of corn pollination with science-loving youngster Billy. Wasn't that that neighborhood science-curious youngster Billy over there? It sure is! Well, how's it going there, Billy? Not so good! What? I have a plant biology exam coming up soon, and I don't know a thing about corn pollination! What do you need to know? Well, everything! Well, the first thing to know is that corn has two types of flowers, the male and the female, and it is called a manicious plant. Can you say manicious? Manicious? That's right. The male flower forms at the top of the plant is called the tassel. They're those broom looking things when you're driving down a cornfield. Do you ever see those blowing in the wind? I sure do! And they'll emit billions of corn pollen. And they're imperfect flowers and they have stamens but no pistils. Now, the female flowers are emerging by the leaf nodes of the corn plant. And they develop into the female ear of corn. That's what you eat, the sweet corn. Do you ever get those little annoying uh, stringy things in your teeth when you're eating sweet corn? Yeah, I hate it! Well, those are called the silks because of their length and delicate nature. They accept the male pollen and it will grow a pollen tube all the way down into the ovule and fertilize it. And that's how you get your corn kernels. Now that's how corn pollination works. It can cross-pollinate or self-pollinate. Those tassels are, are just distributing billions of corn pollen. They could land anywhere up to one or two miles. Wow, that's really interesting. So how do you think you're gonna do on your test tomorrow, Billy? Well, I'm gonna do great now. Well, I hope so. Good to see you, Billy. Bye-bye, Zach! Alright. Well, that'll do it for this episode. We're your hosts, Zeke Greenside and Tom Klinkhammer. We hope you'll join us next time. And remember, folks, it all starts with a seed. <laughs>